that you're born an Italian If you want your life to be great See that you're born an Italiano And your life will be great From the moment you're a small bambino You eat pizza, you drink vino Then they make you roly-poly You get stuffed with ravioli If your mama's a paisano You will have the world on a plate So see that you're born in Italiano And your life will be great Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Italian-American Podcast. I'm John Viola, joined today by the first lady of Italian-American Podcasting, the one and only Dolores Alfieri Taranto. So, Dolores, I don't know when, if ever, it was just you and I together on one of these, but really good to catch up. Yes, I agree. This is going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. And I never know what's going to come out of your mouth when you intro me. It's funny. Well, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about that this morning because <laughs> <laughs> I haven't introed you in a while, and I'm like... I always default to the first lady of Italian American podcasting. And then I thought about it and I was like, theoretically, beyond the honorific of that title, you're actually the first Italian American lady to do Italian American podcasting. So you're the first in both ways, really, in both senses. The first Italian. Oh, yeah. Well, look at that. I don't even think of myself that way. I think, you know, the show was definitely, if not the first, one of the first in the Italian-American space, certainly the longest lived. And so you are the first female host on any of these things. So ipso facto, first lady on multiple well, levels. Well, well, well. Yeah. I'm pretty confident it was the first podcast. I think it was, yeah. I mean, I remember doing research when we came out and not seeing anything else. Go ahead and send me an email and correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, please do if you've got an older show. I mean, there were definitely shows at the beginning of podcasting that live on in like the elephant graveyard of podcasts, right? So like, you know, you can find an Italian-American show that premiered in 2013 for three episodes maybe. But in terms of longevity, this one's still here by hook or by crook. Well, don't they say something like most podcasts only make it – I don't know how long it is. But it's like a very brief time that we've eclipsed like again and again and again. Yeah. But part of that was, you know, bringing in our great team that we have now because it's a hustle, you know? I mean, Rosella and I talk about this a lot. People underestimate how much work it takes to do, you know, what like Rosella does, for instance, all that work that she, she's, she is one of the hardest working people I know. Yeah. And I know a lot of really hardworking people. (laughs) So, you know, it's just like this hustle. It's a grind. It's a lot of content to make. And it's a lot of behind the scenes, you know, looks effortless and fun, which is great. That's what kind of what you want it to look like. But um, anyway, yeah, I guess I understand why a lot of those podcasts don't keep going, but I'm glad that we have. I think this will be episode 185, which is really amazing. Oh, wow. Over five plus years from when you guys founded this thing. And, uh, you know, you do notice a lot of them that kind of come and go and it's hard. It's hard every week to find, and then scheduling everything. And, you know, people will write us with great ideas and be like, Oh, you know, I'd love to be on the show. Well, sometimes it takes months to find that right spot where you can put it in and things come up and it's a lot, it's a lot of logistics that go behind this thing. So you have something to be very proud of and that this has survived so long. And I think we're all working hard on it. And you know, what's funny The, the other day, I think it was yesterday. I don't know how, I don't know what, my train of thought was that led me to this thought, but I was thinking about how much I've learned doing the show, which I used to talk about a lot. I feel like when it was just Anthony and I, I was thinking about when I started and I had remembered randomly that somebody close to me, like a cousin or something like that said something like, you know, that podcast isn't for me. You know, I I know about my heritage. Like, you know, I live it, we live it. Right. Cause we grew up very ethnically and I remember thinking at the time, you a- actually, you do. <laughs> like, especially if you make that comment, yeah. you do. And then I started, because I may have felt similarly, you know, I, w- I am the daughter of two Italian immigrants who came here after they got married. It really doesn't get more Italian American than that. But the amount that I've learned and realized how much I didn't know, that's the thing, is that you don't know what you don't know until you know it. Yeah, I've learned so much doing this. And, like, I've spent my whole life, basically. I mean, I've had interludes in other professions that have led to useful 
knowledge in this, right? For nonprofit work before NIAF and work on social uh, media platforms in Texas and things. I've done some random stuff, but I've essentially geared my life towards the obsessive pursuit of understanding my heritage. And I am fascinated by how much I learn from all of our guests, all of the people we interact with, all of the listeners and the new neighborhood members who write to us and send us stuff. I mean, I, I get in there less likely than I would like to on our new neighborhood membership group on Facebook. I feel the same way. It's just not on Facebook. I know it's been hard. It's really hard to get the time. But when I do go on, I'm shocked that every time I open it up, I learn something new and there's an interesting article or a directive and, you know, I'm just finding out so much stuff. And I think if you're out there in the audience and you think of yourself as sort of adequately (laughs) versed in being Italian American, I I don't think that that's a fair goal to set just because you live your culture doesn't mean there's not tons of stuff you can learn and new avenues to explore. And as a matter of fact, that's a great lead into why we're here today, because like you say, you know, where does this take you? Where does this obsessive pursuit take you? And <laughs> right now it's taking me on this journey of trying to get my Italian dual citizenship. And you, as the daughter of two immigrants from Italy, just recently completed your Italian dual citizenship. And it was an inspiration to me to say, okay, let me take this leap that I've been sort of dancing around for a decade and do this. So I thought, okay, we're going to talk to one of our listeners and who's a new neighborhood member who's an expert and runs a consulting firm for dual citizenship specifically, Mike DiSapio, and he'll be on in just a minute. But I wanted to talk to you first because when I saw you post about having these two passports and your son, my godson, having these two passports now, I said, I got to do this. Because like when somebody close to you like actually goes through the door, you're like, okay, then it's not yeah. so intimidating. I can, you know, I yeah. can do this. Dolores did it. So yeah. what made you go through this? Why did you decide now? So first of all, that makes me so happy that it inspired you to do it. And I was actually shocked that you didn't have it already when you told me. I had just assumed that you did. And Nicole does. Is that right? Yes, my wife, Nicole, does. Yeah. And that was part of the beginning of my process because I was like, okay, I've been married over three years, which I, I thought was the sort of, you know, the kind of 90 day fiance thing, like, oh, I'll sneak in under her her and her family have it. And then when I first called Mike, he told me that process. And I was like, wait a minute, let me just see if, because for years I assumed I had some eligibility, but it's a complicated dance you got to go through to figure out if you're eligible. Right. So what was it for you? Like what made you do it and how were you eligible? I honestly think it kind of like you, I mean, you said like this thing that I've been dancing around for a decade. I think it's just this thing that I was dancing around for a decade. It's kind of this buzzing reminder that keeps coming around right but you should do this you should do this and to be honest I just knew it was so much work yeah and that's what I heard and also that the amount of paperwork you know the documents you have to get together and if you see my mail pile I mean it's one of my it's one of my (laughs) my greatest sins of omission is I do not like paperwork I do (laughs) not like to deal with mail so that just put me off. Um, and I, I think just as time goes on, it really just became larger and, and larger for me. And then, of course, I had a baby and having a baby really changes everything, as they say. And I've been trying so hard living in New York as an American to raise him in our traditions and to have him have a very strong sense of his roots and i just thought if being a dual citizen of you know america and italy doesn't do it i i don't really know what can you know i'm he he knows italian he's learning words but i thought you know you never know what's going to happen with that right kids could learn Italian and speak it and then they grow up and they stop speaking it and they forget everything. And I can only do so much as a mother. I wish I could, you know, have him on my hip for the rest of my life, but I know that that's not the case. So I started to think if that happens to him, maybe at the least at one point in his life, like so many IAP listeners, right. who, Who write to us and tell us about their experience. Maybe he'll say, oh yeah, I'm a citizen of Italy. And then he'll start maybe wondering why that is. And, you know, I I just thought it was one more thing I could kind of plant the seed I could plant in his life 
that uh, might bloom into him having a strong connection to his heritage. So that was a big push for me. On top of that, I mean, my father's been gone for more than 13 years now. Wow. And it was, yeah, I know. Tell me about it. It's, yeah, seems like a way shorter and way longer at the same time. And it was always very important to him that we be Italian citizens as well. We didn't have, you know, he didn't have, and I definitely didn't at the time, like the understanding and the resources to jump through all these hoops. But I know it meant a lot to him. He, he, um, he was never supposed to have American children. Yeah. You know, I've, I've talked about this in very early episodes of the podcast a lot that people can go back and listen to. But my family came here when my parents got married and they were supposed to just be here for a few years, you know, like so many birds of passage, right? And yeah. uh, make a bunch of money and go back to Italy and live well for the rest of our lives. There's even, there was, we sold the property, but we had even like the foundation of a home built on ancestral property. So that, that was just something that was never supposed to quote unquote happen. And um, I did it for him too. And I did it so that at least one of his grandchildren would be a citizen of his home. Yeah. That's basically like you will talk about the sort of return on investment when we talk to Mike, because there are legitimate benefits to dual citizenship in a, in a global world and the European union and this and that. But like, I think the thing that drives a lot of people is the sort of sense of almost giving that citizenship posthumously back to your family, Mm -hmm. right? To your ancestors. And like, you know, I, I look at my dad's father who came here as a little kid and he was so attached to being Italian and so attached to being born there and and how definitional it was. And even my grandparents that were born here, it meant so much to them to have that umbilical tie back to a place. And in a legalistic sense, you don't have it unless you have that citizenship, you know, it makes a difference. I see it with my wife's family, you know, it defines your interaction with the place very differently. And I think for me, and I assume for a lot of people, there's just that tie to our ancestry and our ancestors that makes you want to do this, not so much just for yourself, but for, for those that came before. And I remember when I was at NIAF, you know, one of the most frequent inquiries that we would get was on dual citizenship and dual citizenship services. And, you know, we had a partnership with a couple of firms. I remember that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also the fact that Italy has this unique idea of citizenship passed on by blood and eligibility there. So it's just sort of, like you say, buzzing around your head, staring you in the face and something that you kind of can't ignore, especially if you're in this space and you're dealing with it this much and going back and forth to Italy as much as before COVID. I certainly was, and a lot of us were. So I'm, I'm really glad to sort of have seen you go through it and said, okay, I can, I can stomach the same thing, the paperwork, the this, the that. And- right. Yeah. That makes me so happy. And I'll say that actually now my siblings are going to do it because I've kind of done the hard work for them, you know, yeah. and then that will mean, I think I actually, I'm going to, I'm going to ask about this when we speak to our guest, if uh, the children who are over 18 automatically get citizenship, but if they do, then that means that all of my father's grandkids will be Italian citizens. But, you know, I gathered all the hard paperwork, all the paperwork from Italy, the marriage certificates, my mother's naturalization papers. So, you know, they, now they just have to, I just have to tell them the steps they need to do. I mean, the consulate even already has that paperwork. So it's, it's really, you know, just kind of like, like you said, like it just makes it a little easier because I stepped through the door. Yeah. You know, but I honestly, I, can't imagine what it's going to feel like whenever the day comes that I'm in line with my son and I get to go on the, you know, the EU line with my Italian passport. I think it's going to be probably, especially for someone like me, very emotional. I mean, I'm tearing up now. Oh, it's huge. If I'm eligible for this and if I get this passport, I may just go to like Cuba in Iran just to say I'm going as an Italian. <laughs> right. So I actually wanted to say that when we talk to Mike, I'm excited to hear you mentioned the actual benefits. Yeah. I will be honest. I don't even know them. Yeah. Because not surprisingly to people who've been listening to us for a long time or listened to my other show, Bella Figura, it doesn't probably surprise them that I've thought about the emotional and spiritual <laughs> aspects. And I, I actually, you, we were texting last night, John, and 
and you were you mentioned something you're like no you're a citizen now you know you can do x and yeah i was like really <laughs> are you <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah i hadn't point. even thought about it so there's there actually are these benefits that i don't even i don't even know about i'll confess <laughs> i've spent so many years advocating this for other people and advocating for other people to do it so that, that I'm so versed in like the benefits of it. And I've so thought through the case. And oh, how funny. At NIAF, we had like an automated system where you could put in dates that you knew and it might tell you like, we think you're eligible. And like, it was like a beautiful mind trying to figure out if that worked. So <laughs> but what I did instead was I reached out to Mike DeSapio, who's a longtime listener. Like I said, a member of our new neighborhood and just a great Italian American active with the Italian-American Baseball Foundation, active throughout the community, and we've gotten to run into each other on a few occasions. And I kept saying to him, you know, Mike, I want to do this, I want to do this. And as a good paisan, he never really pushed me. And so finally, I felt, okay, let me reach out and call, and we'll try with my wife's citizenship and see where that goes. And so first, very, very happy to introduce to the show, for those who have not heard him before, Mike DeSapio from DeSapio Dual Citizenship Services. Mike, welcome to the show. And I have sent you ahead all of my genealogy and stuff. So I guess we're going to start this journey together if you tell me I'm eligible and hopefully you've got some good news for me. I do. Thanks, guys. Hey, Mike. You know, they just had the Oscars. I figured we should have like an envelope where you can open up. And oh, see exciting. <laughs> well, I like now. this. I'm excited <laughs> to hear. I'm so happy that I get to like, be, you know, be the first to hear along with you. I'm probably going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> well, first, I'll keep you in suspense a little bit. I just want to thank you guys for having me on. You know, I'd I think I started this business just so I could have the opportunity to come on the Italian American podcast. So <laughs> my, my life, it's like being in the broadcast booth for a Yankees game. You always <laughs> that's so, an uh, honor. Thank you. So thank you guys. How long have you been doing this? Uh, three, four years, two and a half years, uh, full time. I assisted, you know, friends and relatives and, and a few baseball players through the Italian American baseball foundation, but it's been officially full time for, for two and a half years. So. Speaking of added benefits, one of the reasons I've always advocated some of my cousins who are college-level ball players is if you are a dual citizen, you are eligible in whatever sport you pursue to pursue participation with the Italian national teams, right? I mean, a lot Correct. of the Italian national baseball players are Italian-Americans who, through guys like yourself, have gotten their dual citizenship, right? Right, right. And uh, part of the IABF's goal is to grow the game in Italy. And by recruiting Italian-American players, the Italian national team is is beefing up their ranks and being more competitive. Um, so that's how, you know, I started doing that with a lot of those Italian American players that were looking for advice and, um, yeah, it's just another benefit of having it. There's, there's a ton of benefits and it's probably a self-serving statement, but to say there's not too many drawbacks. <laughs> no, it's really not right. Yeah. I mean, the Italian baseball team, of course, managed now by one of our mutual friends for all of us, Mike Piazza, who like Dolores and many of your clients and hopefully like me went this route and got the citizenship and had it restored. And he's become, I think above and beyond a dual citizen. He's sort of like a, a real half citizen. Like he's half of his life in Italy and his kids speak Italian and go to school there. And he's really run with it. Right. It's amazing. It's like the dream. Yeah. yeah he, he does live the dream. I mean, when you've, when you're a hall of fame ball player and you've retired from a stellar right. career, I would say more <laughs> in more ways than one, he lives yeah. the dream, but yes, yeah, in this sure case does. for this show, yeah, because <laughs> his father was, was not Italian. Right. Or am I wrong? I mean, was not, was Italian American. His father's Italian American. I don't think his mother's Italian. Right. So what I'm getting at, he's reintroducing the language into his family. And that's, oh, yeah. that's so beautiful. It is amazing. Mike's like a, I guess it's a thing about catchers. They're like part engineers, sort of, you know, part commanders. Like Mike does everything he does with an excellence and a dedication. So like he really studied and learned and became fluent in Italian. He lived the life. He walked the walk. He went there. He's really impressive. Yeah. I hope I can emulate a lot of what he did. Because, I mean, to have your kids living this life and speaking both languages fluently and understanding both cultures, you know, it's one thing to learn to speak the language. is another to understand place and the culture and, and have lived it exactly. and, and feel part of it, you know, right. so that's yep. clearly feel like it belongs to you. Yeah, it's yours. It's like it, it, mm -hmm. yeah. You're a real participant, yeah. not just an observer, you know, even now, you know, being pretty good with my Italian, I go there, I can conduct myself, you know, I'm understood, I might sound a little juvenile, but my Italian's definitely advanced and I, do, I'm the, I used to be there a lot for work and for this and all the different projects. So you feel like a participant observer, 
but I still didn't have that last stamp and say, okay, I'm, I've got a passport. I'm one of you. So that's kind of why I think making this leap is so important. And that's, you know, probably 80, 90% of the people I help, that's their motivation right there. There's no, not too many concrete business or economic uh, incentive, but just to have that passport and come full circle from that immigrant class that came over here. That's, that's more, that, that was my motivation for getting it, right? It's the sentimental value yeah. more than anything else. But uh, to get that concrete paper that says I'm part of the tribe, yeah, you know, is, is what most people aspire to. Oh, I just got chills. I like that. Right. <laughs> See, it's, I did. I'm part of the tribe and that's exactly right. Yeah. You've lived exactly it. Right. And it. And it's the way that the Italian constitution puts it is that, it is literally the right of blood. So it's, if you have that right, it's there. You just need to prove it. Uh, so that's why Italy, even though it's a complicated process and you have to get a lot of documentation, they're one of the easier countries to get dual citizenship from. Oh, wow. What other countries offer this kind of blood citizenship? Uh, Ireland uh, offers it, but they are limited as to how far back you can go. You have to have a grandparent born there, whereas we'll get into for Italy, there's no limit to how many generations you can go back as long as it was after 1861 when Italy officially became a country. Uh, Some of the other European countries, France has a right of blood. I I don't, I haven't done any um, clients through them, but I, I do know that um, that option's available. And a, a lot of the European countries have it. So tell me then, if you can, an elevator pitch for our audience, right? Before we find out if I'm eligible, what makes one eligible? You said, you know, 1861, which is the creation of the Kingdom of Italy and the unification of all these pre-unitary states. So you have to have had an ancestor with citizenship, at least in that political entity. Right. So it's complicated, I know, but what defines eligibility? The rule of thumb is, and there are you know a number of provisos, but the rule of thumb is you have to have an ancestor born in Italy, and they must have still been an Italian citizen when that their next descendant was born. So let's say your grandparent came from Italy. If they were still an Italian citizen when your father was born, then that right passes down through your father to yourself. Um, same thing through the maternal line, but there's this 1948 rule that we can talk about briefly, but the rule of thumb is if that, when that American generation was born, if their parents, one of their parents was still an Italian citizen, that right to citizenship passes down through the generations. And to be defined as still an Italian citizen for our listeners who might not understand the complexities of citizenry around the world, mm-hmm. I guess the cutoff is the day that that immigrant ancestor naturalizes in the U.S., right? Correct. I guess the way it goes legally is when you naturalize in the U.S., you are then by default renouncing your Italian citizenship. Correct. And that before 1992, uh, 1992 is when Italy established that you can hold two citizenships. Uh, if you became a naturalized U.S. citizen before that time from Italy, you effectively renounced your Italian citizenship. So if that American generation was born before that person naturalized, and that right gets, that bundle of rights gets passed down to them and to their children. Okay. So, Now, I've given you access to my very extensive genealogical tree, my family tree. I've worked with a couple of different vendors over the years to get as far back as I can on as many branches as I can. Still some mysteries out there that i got to dig through. Mm -hmm. I've got four branches of Italian family. I have my paternal grandfather born in Italy, the rest of my grandparents born here, some of my great-grandparents even born here. So tell me if we find any eligibility in my line, or do I have to go through the rigmarole of doing this as a married person? Well, we've, we did find out, stop the suspense and tell you that you do qualify for Italian citizenship. Whew. All right. <laughs> through one line for certain, <laughs> through one ancestor for certain, through one, a maybe, and uh, through another one, no. <laughs> um, so it's a good, it's a good case study to go through. So the first more direct line that we looked at was your grandfather. Your father's father was born in Italy, but he was naturalized. He came over with his parents, as I recall, right? Yep. And he um, he naturalized as part of his father's naturalization petition. So if the if the family immigrated with minor children, they were included on that naturalization petition. And even though they were a minor and couldn't speak for themselves, they were still considered to have renounced their Italian citizenship. So your grandfather John 
naturalized with his father before your father was born. So uh, that effectively cuts off that right to a citizenship through him. Mm. Wow. So the, the old line that's closest to Italy in terms of time is not eligible because Correct. my grandfather was naturalized via his dad's naturalization, you're telling me. Right, right. Wow. And that's usually the first the first one the first line that we look at is the more direct line because there's less sure. less paperwork involved. The more <laughs> generations you go back, the more paperwork you need to procure. And Mike, if he had been uh what age would he have not naturalized automatically? Did that make sense? Right. I believe the age of majority I believe it was eighteen, but Okay, got um, it. Eighteen or twenty one, don't quote me on that, I'd have to look it up. Okay. I'm interested in this too because because now my next step is to try and get, is to get citizenship for my husband. Okay. And I'm interested to like, kind of, a, John, you're like, you're like Drew now. Yeah. You know, to Nicole. Yeah. So this is interesting. You know, trying to figure, I, I had thought once I had it, it would be quote unquote easy for him. And then I was told that actually that's more complicated because he does have Italian ancestry and that it would probably be easier just to go through his ancestry. But anyhow. Right. Yep. And we could we could touch on that, too, after we um, yeah. do John's big reveal. Oh, that's interesting. OK, so we we explored a couple other lines. So when his paternal grandfather didn't qualify, we looked at his great great grandfather <laughs> on your mother's side, your great grandfather on your mother's side, Gaetano. Right. I'm on my my mother's father's side was born in Brooklyn. Yes. So we had to see, you know, when his parents came over. So. We found that his uh, his father, so that would be your great great grandfather Salvatore, he immigrated from Italy, and then his son Gaetano was born in 1906 in Brooklyn. Yeah. So 1906 was that um, the year that that was important to see whether he when he naturalized, if at all. Uh, so the first thing that we that we go to look through is the census records because there was a, a column for naturalization status. Uh, up until 1940 on on all the census. Huh. So we looked at the, the the census following Gaetano's birth, which was 1910. And that lists Salvatore's citizenship status. And it says PA, which um, there were three options. One said AL, which was alien. One could say NA, which is naturalized. And then there's PA, which is essentially in between. So that means his declaration was submitted. He started the process for naturalization, but it wasn't complete yet. Huh. So obviously it wasn't complete yet. Uh, and so it was after Gaetano was born. So you qualify through that line. The, the right to citizenship was passed down through Gaetano to your grandfather, to your mother, and then to yourself. Wow. That's my Sicilian side too, which I have a very deep affinity for. That's amazing. Uh, so, so I'm qualified as a Sicilian, you're telling me. Right. Perfect. Wow. Perfect for John. Anyone <laughs> who knows perfect. John knows that's perfect. <laughs> yep, that's true. Wow. Wow. My grandfather is going to go crazy for this. So when you say it's passed down, you know, John's mother, for instance, is an American citizen. Obviously, she was born here. Right. So it's not necessarily that she has citizenship. She has this right to it still, even though she's American. Correct. Okay. That's, yep. that's interesting. Yep. And, and, a, and a question I get asked a lot is, well, does that mean my, my parent has to get it before I get it? And mm. the answer is no. Um, it just, it, it passes down and, um, you're entitled to it. You just have to get your, you know, the vital records for everybody up and down the line, which we could, we could talk about, but the short answer is you, you qualify, John. So that's, so I qualify uh, through my maternal grandfather. What about my grandmothers? So Frank Torrey, that was on your father's side. That would be my father's mother's father. Yeah. Right. So we went through your father's mother's side to see if you qualified there. That is the case where I said it's a maybe. He immigrated from Italy and had his daughter, your grandmother, uh, in 1923 in Brooklyn. Yep. So the 1920 census says that has that PA next to Frank's name, which says he submitted his papers in 1920. And we're not sure 100% whether he completed that process before 1923. Huh. It was generally a five-year process, but it depends on when, when he submitted those papers. Right. Uh, when you get to the 1930 census, it shows that he naturalized. Huh. So at some point in that decade, he did. And in order to get the definitive answer, you do a search through the federal government, the um, United States Citizenship 
an immigration service. They have a genealogy department to um, to do that search, but it takes several months to get the results back. <laughs> well, it makes me feel good that the Americans are slow too. That's, 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 right. a... <laughs> that's why that's why we look at the census records first to get an idea. So they're not a hundred percent because it was a census taker, you know, taking these notes. Uh, but they're they're a good indication. Okay, so my mother is eligible, right? Right. And I'm eligible through her. That means my siblings are eligible through her. Right. And that means anybody else in her family, cousins and nieces and nephews and whatnot, and my grandfather, descended through my grandfather's father, are also eligible. Right. And so for my dad to know if he's eligible, we've got to take a little bit more research, get the government records, and see if my grandmother's father was naturalized sometime between 1920 and 1930. Was that before February 1923 when my grandmother was born? Correct. Exactly. Oh, you just nailed that very quickly. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it makes sense. I mean, it, it, well is, it is It is. a really, it's a complex kind of concept, right? Because I, be, I guess what's what's really sort of, um, well, first of all, I'm a little overwhelmed to be discussing this, but like, so I look at my great grandfather born in the U.S. And I guess the idea is because he was born in the U.S., he never had an Italian citizenship to renounce. Mm. So when his father then becomes an American citizen, thereby renouncing his Italianness, it doesn't matter that he's a minor. But my grandfather on my dad's side, who's born in Italy, has to naturalize with his father. So he doesn't have an American citizen. So the American citizenship being born here kind of gives you a cover right? Uh, no matter who naturalizes above you, right? Because you're not an Italian citizen, you're an American citizen. Right, because there would be no reason to renounce your Italian citizenship because you're already an American citizen. So the safe bet. Wow, what a weird little loophole. Yeah. Now, before we go into the details of what comes next, you know, we talked about Dolores' husband, myself, the idea of becoming a citizen through your spouse. That was the first conversation you and I had. And then, frankly, when you told me what that process was like, I was like, okay. I've always had this kind of fear of going through. I think that's what it is. You know, Dolores, and I think about it now. I think secretly I've always had a fear that if I got analyzed, I wouldn't be eligible and that would devastate me Aww. because the fear of the unknown, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's just, this means so much to me. And like, people would say like, have you become an Italian citizen? I'd be like, well, no, but I, I think I'm eligible or I would probably lie and say, no, I'm eligible, whatever. Um, so I think that that's, what's been a hesitancy for me is this mm. idea. Yeah. You almost rather not know and like kind yeah. of keep the hope alive or the dream alive or something. I yeah. get that. So this is a big relief for me. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's, that's part of the worst part of my job, actually, is people that contact me are so passionate, obviously. And if there's no, if I don't see a successful route to citizenship trying to break that news, that it's tough. That's uh, horrible. Yeah, it's very The good news is they could always 90-day fiancé it and marry that's true. Italian, So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that is, that is a good segue. So there is an avenue um, to apply for citizenship through marriage. So if you were the foreign-born spouse and you were married to the Italian citizen prior to 1983, that triggers an automatic right to citizenship. But a few years ago, they changed the requirements and uh, they added a few for a spouse. So if you're a spouse applying as a spouse of an Italian citizen, you have to show proficiency in the Italian language, which is um, there's certain schools in Italy that are like the governing body for these tests. And um, you have to take a, a language proficiency test and get a certificate before you apply. Oh, wow. Before you apply. Before you apply. Right. Wow. That's part of the documentation you need to upload to the consulate site in order to apply. Yeah. It's an investment. Yeah. And the other requirement, which is, which is not a requirement for right of blood, is uh, you have to submit background checks <laughs> from everywhere you've lived since you were 14, I believe. Wow. And, and one federal one from the FBI. Mod on. And get those translated and, and upload those as part of your... Wow. Part of your application as well. So yeah, it's a couple more hoops to jump through. Um, I can't really speak to the motivation of why that was changed. I'm sure you might have some insight into Italian politics, but when people hear that, they think it's... Uh, skip it. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Um, they would rather go, you know, so going through traditional route through their own family line uh, is usually the way to go. Well, that's what happened to me. I mean, I, I was all, and I think now that I'm unpacking this, psychologically while we're here on this great Italian-American therapist couch that we called the podcast. <laughs> you know, I think when I got married and, and Nicole was a citizen, I was like, this is great because I never have to untie that Gordian knot or God forbid, cut off that sense that I had that I was eligible for this because I could do it through marriage. 
And then when you told me that I needed, you know, I mean, I don't even remember where I've lived since I'm 14. I've moved all over the place. And yeah, like, that's serious. That's a lot to remember. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. I'm and if the language remember. exam could be administered in like half Neapolitan, half Sicilian, maybe I'll do it. <laughs> but like, you know, I don't, know. I don't think they'll do that. So, you know, that's a tough world. one. Definitely yeah. not now, letting you in in that case. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably not. But now you, you, so you point out that they changed it in 1983. That means that the law was changed in this new structure came into place in 1983. That doesn't mean if you were married before 1983, you go in under the old one. No, uh, actually, it's the opposite. So the, the law changed in 2018 as far as these added requirements. But if you're a foreign-born woman and you were married to an Italian male prior to 1983, even if you applied now, you wouldn't have that language required. So, okay, so my mom is eligible, as you've just told me, through her father. Mm-hmm. So my parents got married in 82. So that means if my dad's not eligible, my, we find my grandmother's line is is extinct, my dad can then become a citizen without a language test through my mom. Correct. Wow, he's going to love that. That is great. Yeah, yeah that's yep. such a great piece of advice. You, I mean, you would have to like dig forever to figure that out. <laughs> I feel I'm like. sure. Nowhere in the literature would that yeah, be made clear. Great. Yeah, that's great. But I, yeah. I do have... Um, I do have clients whose spouses are studying vigorously for the test because, you know, you don't apply until, you know, your spouse is officially an Italian citizen. So I have clients who are applying through their line, but their spouse doesn't have any Italian uh, background. So they're studying, they they wouldn't take the test until they get the official uh, approval from their spouse. So uh, there are dedicated spouses out there that are doing it. (laughs) Wow. Love that. Good for that. Yeah, that is kind of nice. I mean, I'm glad I don't have to do it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Me but, too. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess it'd be well worth it. Thank you. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the worth. Because if I was really facing the barrel of the gun, it's like, okay, you got to take language exam and background checks and this and that. I'd still probably do it, right? I'd probably be a lot lazier about it and like, oh, okay, you know, I'll get to it when I get to it. Mm-hmm. But I, I want this, as Dolores said, for the emotional reasons. But I've also felt over the years that there are benefits like you know, first and foremost, you're an EU citizen, right? right? Italy being a fundamental part of the EU, you have the same ease of access to the entirety of the block, 20 some odd nation block. You can travel differently. I mean, if it matters to somebody who wants to go to a place like Cuba, you can go as an Italian citizen. Um, it, you know, now we were talking about going back to Italy uh, just the other night on our co-host text message chain. Mm-hmm. And we were saying, you know, they're going to open up to people who've been vaccinated. And if you haven't been vaccinated, can you go back? My wife's been eligible to go to Italy since this the beginning time. of this because she's a citizen. So, like, even if you're not vaccinated, you can go on your own citizen. Right. They can't stop you from coming home. Right. So that's kind of nice, too. Yeah, that, that's amazing. So in the middle of the pandemic, I could have gotten on a plane and gone to Italy. Well, I, I didn't have it yet, but you know what I'm saying. If, if I right. had had the citizenship, I could have gotten on a plane and gone home. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Whoa. That's like... <laughs> <laughs> it blows your mind, right? A little yeah. bit. I really didn't, it's real. I didn't. It's real. I think I'm so stuck on the sentimental aspect that I'm realizing as as I talk to John, obviously um, offline, but now talking to Mike, that it's real. There's real things that this means. Right. You're not a half citizen. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not a pretend sentimental citizen. Right. Like they didn't yes. give me like a right. fake document you could get at the mall <laughs> in a frame. It's real. Okay. Okay. Besides the, yeah, besides the sentimental value, like we said, and the ease of travel, which we were just talking about. Um, and it's also important to point out, not just the ease of travel within the EU, but if you're going to live and work in another EU country, you have the same rights and privileges as a citizen of that country. Let's say you have a job opportunity in Germany or France or you know anywhere else in the EU. You can live and work there without getting a visa because you're an EU citizen. Really? Right. I've been really into baking baguettes lately. <laughs> so now take that Italian passport. You're gonna go become a baguette maker in France. This is great. I, I've been really just, and it's like slipping me into like French country life, and so that <laughs> is so interesting. I didn't know that. Okay, you can okay. summer there or something. Don't stay too long. Oh, summer in France sounds terrific. Okay, I'm liking this, Mike. Keep it going. What else? I feel like I'm opening a goodie bag. Like what else? <laughs> what did I get? Um, and also, we, we talked a little bit about it, but the hereditary value, you know, once you establish your citizenship, when you have children, and congratulations, by the way, I know it's been a while, but we haven't Thank talked. Thank you. So, uh, you know, for your future children as well, all you have to do is register them with, their, with the consulate that you're, is in your jurisdiction, and they automatically get it. 
That's awesome. So what about my question regarding like my siblings whose kids aren't babies like mine? Mm -hmm. Is there a cutoff age where they're not automatically citizens? Yeah. If the children are over 18 at the time of application, then they would need to fire their own application. Oh, my sister's going to be disappointed. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's not an automatic thing where you would just register the, the birth. But my brother, my brother's kids are under 18. So they would be, when he gets his citizenship, they automatically become citizens. Yes. Yeah, right. correct. Well, they would be included on his on his application. They would just need to provide their vital records as well. Okay. But your sister's kids would be equally eligible. Right, but they'd have to do all the they just have, more. They have right. to do it themselves. Yeah. Right. Right. Which listen, make them earn it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> your favorite entertainment made in Italy. Media said Italia has new dramas, addictive quiz shows, and the hottest reality TV this spring. Tune in for new seasons of Italy's favorite talent competition, Amici, the fastest quiz show around, Avanti Un Altro, celebrities marooned on an island in L'Isola dei Famosi, and don't miss new dramas airing Wednesdays starring your favorite Italian talents. DirecTV has the Italian TV you love. Get Mediaset Italia for $10 a month plus taxes, or Italian Direct Package for $20 a month plus taxes. Visit directtv.com slash mediaset, or call 1-877-912-2702. To learn more and subscribe, World Direct a la carte service requires activation of a qualifying base package. All programming subject to change. For new customers, equipment lease, activation, early termination, equipment non-return, and other charges and restrictions apply. Call 1-877-912-2702 or visit att.com for full details. Uh, another benefit which I tell you know, to young families is um, the higher education in Europe is much cheaper. Uh, than it is here. I don't. I don't have figures, but the universities and, and they're uh, a lot more of them are subsidized by their their local governments, and so the the cost of cost of attending is a lot cheaper for a citizen than it is than it is here. So there's your return on investment right there. This I have discussed with my husband. This was one. Yeah, <laughs> this one we knew, and then he was like, "Are you kidding me? We we could we'll go live in Italy while he's in school." I'm like, "I'm in." I'm done. Let's do of course, it. if we if we were normal American people, you'd say he can go to Italy. Right? Right? We, we, we have we have to move with our kids to college. You know, <laughs> it's like Pat always says his grandmother wanted to go to Seton Hall with him. You know, it's like, <laughs> but yes, theoretically you could all go. Keep in mind too, like yeah, the education's cheaper, but I mean, for those of us that go to Italy a lot, especially with work stuff, you know, you're going at tourist sites and things. Ninety nine percent of them have a citizen's price and a tourist price, right. and they're. Yeah considerably less so museums yeah, yeah just art museums and, and different yeah they um really yeah and what do you do you and, just show them like your passport and you get the certain rate or you show them your license correct i mean there's usually well you know from the airport there's an eu line and there's everybody else but right even in a lot of art museums and and uh different tourist spots there's a different price and you would show them your italian passport and you get the discounted rate amazing that's kind of worthwhile. I'm so yeah, excited. That, 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 this is so exciting right now. I'm getting like, I feel like as excited as you, like finding out. I'm just, <laughs> it's a whole new it's world. It's nice, right? It's, it's a whole new world. It is a whole new world. Yeah. And that, let's not forget, I mean, for those that are inclined, you also are a citizen. You have the right to vote. Yes. We have members of the Chamber of Deputies and the Senate in Italy who are designated for our community, right? The Italians living abroad. There's a few different seats. We're north and Central America, I believe, mm-hmm. right? Our our constituency. So we have, I can't remember the exact number, but we have members in the chamber, members in the Senate. And those elections are always interesting when the time comes. I know my wife and her family vote. And so, you know, God willing, if this works out now, I'll be able to vote. Well, and it's another reason to stay involved in what's going on in the country. You know, if you're going to vote, you need to know what's happening. You need to know what you're voting on, you know? So it's it's another bond with the homeland. Yeah, you're abreast of obviously what's going on in a different way when you have a voice. Yeah, exactly. Um, when I told my family that I wanted to do this, I said to all my parents and siblings and aunts and uncles and cousins, like, hey, I'm going to try this. If we're eligible, is anybody interested in doing it with me? Because obviously, you know, going through the process at one time is a lot easier and cheaper. And we're going to discuss that process and pricing next. But one of my cousins said, well, what's the tax implication? And that was a good question. That is a good question. So, Mike, can you explain that, I guess, from what you taught me, there is no tax implication? Well, uh, what I, I want to preface and what I told John is I want to make sure everybody knows that I'm not an accountant. And yeah. uh, if, there's, 
if they're making a serious move to Italy, they should talk to somebody with international experience. But my understanding of as far as income taxes go is that the Italian system is based on residency and not just being a citizen. The U.S. is one of the only countries that taxes its citizens abroad. So no matter where they're at, they get taxes. But in Italy, it's based on residency. So if you're an Italian citizen living abroad and you're not making any money in Italy, um, there's no there's no tax implications. Phew. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a relief for people, you know. Because I didn't even think of that. That's a yeah, but but for people who are you know maybe want to start a business over there or they're going to go live there full time, you do want to talk to an Italian accountant, right? And and get the specifics. So I don't want anybody to think uh, I'm an expert in any way in that. But it's one of those myths that's out there. Oh, that's good. No, that's good to know. Can I back up real quickly? It's a, like off the tax question. We I mentioned that my nephews are over. 18. So, but if my sister becomes a citizen, is their route now easier through her? Like, would they go through her? Or would they still go through my mother? Well, they would still go through the Italian immigrant, which is your oh, mother. Okay. But you have to okay. go through the whole, you have to show do- documents through the whole line. So they would still need your sister's birth certificate, marriage certificate, and things like that. I see. Um, but it goes back to the, the Italian immigrant always. Right. Like- it all starts with the Italian immigrant, and then you have to get vital records for everyone down the line. Okay. What about my son's children? The well, so if you're when you register your son at the and uh, he gets his passport or his citizenship, his children get it automatically as well. It goes, it runs down the line. Jeez, that's yeah. amazing! Oh, wow, wow. And so, technically, let's say they this would probably not happen, but they renounced it or they didn't have it. They would still, if they wanted to get citizenship again, have to go through the original immigrant, not through me. There is a, there's a separate process for an Italian citizen that renounces their citizenship. Oh, okay. Maybe to re- complicated. Require okay. it. So if somebody for some reason renounces their Italian citizenship, their ancestors get cut off. Uh, excuse me, their descendants get cut off. I see. So for that person to reclaim their Italian citizenship, there's a separate process. You have to okay. uh, actually, you know, go back to the old country, actually go back to Italy for a year. They make you pay for doing that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you have to get there. You have to get there and stay there for a year, and you get it back automatically. Or you sign an acknowledgement with the consulate saying you intend on going back within a year, and then you have to actually go back within that year. Well, Um, I'll tell you, I don't know. I think I've been so focused on my father and and my son that I'm not sure I really took in the fact that I just brought Italian citizenship to like all of my descendants down the line. Yeah. It's exactly what you did. I, I don't think I took that in, like, to my great, my grandkids and my great grandkids. And yeah. yeah, it's like repairing the tree. Yes, it's like exactly. repairing. Yeah, yeah, the tree. that's a great way to. That's yeah. a great way to put it. I'm going to use that. Yeah. Choking yeah. up. <laughs> no, it's what it feels like. I mean, I, I think about that a lot. You know, that you're you're giving this gift on, and I didn't really didn't take that in. Yeah, I, I hope I have a kid who's like good enough at a sport that they're competitive and maybe could go play in Italy, but like not major league level here, you know, like I, I got you something, <laughs> go play there in Italy. You you know? yeah. <laughs> That'd be really nice. That's awesome. uh, you know, we're talking about this process. So, okay. Now, Mike, thankfully, thank God I'm eligible. Uh, obviously I'm going to engage you and the Sapio dual citizenship services to get me through this process. So tell me and tell the audience who might be inclined towards this same thing, what is this process going to look like? What kind of documentation are we going to need? How are we going to do it? Where do we got to go? And, and how long does it usually take on average? And what does it cost to engage a professional service like your own? So the, um, once you find out that you're eligible, what needs to happen is you need to get certified copies of all vital records from that Italian ancestor down to yourself. Um, that is uh, birth records, marriage records, and death records as well as the naturalization papers for that Italian immigrant. So we have to get the naturalization certificate, or if they never became a citizen, a certificate of non-existence from the federal government saying this person never became a U.S. citizen. So, and then you need a birth record, marriage record, and death record for all the Italian, everyone in the Italian line. So it would be your, your mother, uh, your grandfather, and then your great-grandfather and your great-great-grandfather. They also, it depends on the consulate, but they also need birth records for all the spouses, the persons that are not in the direct line, but like your father, for example, for going through your mother, you would need a copy of his birth certificate, not necessarily certified, but at least a photocopy. 
for all those certified documents, they need to be translated into Italian and get what's called an apostille attached. So an apostille is like a, a notary on steroids. So it's something that's mm -hmm. issued by, uh, let's say it was a New York City document. Uh, the apostille is something that comes from Albany uh, that gets stapled to the, um, to the certified document guaranteeing its authenticity to the Italian government. So for all the U.S. records, that's the third step. After you get the documents and get them translated, you need that apostille attached. So I'm asking this both as the host trying to encourage and guide our listeners through the needless fear of this process, and also as a customer, I don't have to do all this stuff, right? You're going to do this for right. me. As that's what, yeah. As far, um, that's why I engage a service, right? Because, like, kind of, whew, that makes it a lot easier. Yeah. I, um, if I had to do that, certain, it'd be 10 years. You know, for the certified documents, like, we're going to work together as far as verification questions when you order them online and authority to for me to get these documents. But then I get them translated and I get the apostles attached and all that. Um, so that's the part of the benefit of my service is that we do a lot of the like, Yeah. And, and somebody who did do it myself, because it's it's it was easier for me because my mother right i can go through my mother so my right. you know my it's mother only two generations that you're getting documents for exactly and she thankfully she's still alive and i had thought about wanting to do this for many years now so like the last time pre covid that she and my sister were in italy they went and got a couple of the documents that i, I thought i might need like the marriage like let's make sure we have the marriage certificate mm -hmm. i have family still in italy who could help me so for me it was a little different but i definitely think for for anybody who is just even a little bit more removed you know like john is or even further back that it's to try and get those documents on your own from the comune and it is yeah, a lot of hoops and a headache and even doing it myself we should note that the birth certificates, the marriage certificates, they need to be in long form, Correct. which was something I also learned the hard way that long form is a thing. You can't just skim Dolores, the document and pretend like it doesn't matter when it keeps saying long form, like <laughs> you have to get long form. Most people have in their files, their short form birth certificate. It's literally half a page. Exactly. Yeah. And it just says, you know, That's first right. date location, maybe your parents. Right. But the long form has all the, essentially what your parents filled out when you were born. So it has their, their biographical information, where they were born, their age. Uh, so that's what, the, that's what the Italian government wants to see in order to trace the lineage. Yeah, so having your help is, is I'm sure, going to like make all the difference. And John, you said like it would take me forever. I mean, it took, it did, I, I sat on it because I just didn't want to do all this. I just didn't want to do all the work. It's a lot of legwork. And that's why work. engaging a company like Mike's and first of all, having like a, a guide, right? Because if I had to decide whether I was eligible, it would have been very, very difficult. There are some automated services. But again, like I said, you know, when I was at NIAF, we had, it had been built years and years before, we had a uh, sort of fill in your information. I know my genealogy okay, but that algorithm didn't really tell me I was eligible. It kind of said like, you know, Maybe. seek further advice. Right. So <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, well, that doesn't help me. So yeah. having somebody to A, tell you, definitively you are or you aren't, but then to walk you through this. So Mike, what's it going to cost me to do this? And so a listener understands mm -hmm. if they have the resources, they want to find the resources, what would it cost to engage this process? So it varies. You know, I, I, I like to operate at, at, on a flat fee so that the person knows as soon as they're going in, you know, what they're going to, what they're going to spend. And there's a number of factors involved, which is how many generations you have to go back. Mm -hmm. uh, if there's going to be any difficulty in finding your, your uh, tree was pretty good with name, dates, and locations. So if there's going to be a lot of added research involved, I would factor that in. But um, your tree looked pretty good. And um, so I based it off, you know, how many generations do you have to go back? And uh, if there's a lot of added paperwork, like divorces, for example, they want divorces that are up and down the line. So obtaining those documents, if the, both the parties have passed away, takes a little bit more legwork. But to give you a general sense, it could cost anywhere from, 4000 to $10,000, depending on how big the family tree is and how many people are involved. And that's, that's like a start to finish cost. You right. know, I also work with people who want to get the documents themselves, just need help translating or getting the apostles or even just a consultation where I look at their eligibility because part of what we do is the genealogical research. Um, so I don't want people to get too scared with those, those numbers, but, uh, and all this, you know, all the services run a gambit. You know, there's a lot of very established and well, you know, they have a, a good reputation uh, that might be a little more costly, but it's, they have more overhead. And um, 
you want to talk to that service or talk to me and get the quote, you know, don't think you have it figured out because it's just your grandfather or something like that. Uh, but it's a few, th it's, it, it's in the thousands of dollars in order to do it from start to finish. But that includes the prices of the translation and all the out-of-pocket expenses. Right, right. Because it costs money to get all this. Like I had to pay right. myself a mm -hmm. lot of money. I mean, it wasn't a lot of money, but it wasn't cheap. I mean, the consulate cost alone when, after you submit your papers was some like $350. Yeah. And then, yeah. So the you know, every birth certificate you order, every apostille, you know, it's government. So everyone's stacking on. So by the time you're done. Right. It, it, you know, the original no. documents, it costs anywhere from 75 to a hundred dollars just right. to get their certified copy and right. you have to pay for FedEx or something or UPS. Exactly. Or yeah. Or every UPS I, I sent right. and the return envelope I sent that all costs like 30 yeah. bucks. So, so. You could definitely do it yourself cheaper, but it's, um, you know, a lot of people can change the oil in their car cheaper, but it doesn't mean they want to do it. Uh, yeah. So that's, you know, that's what I'm here for is to, to try to shepherd them through the process. Well, you got, you guys, my mother, are you ready for this? My mom, now that we've talked all about this, when I first was like, am I eligible? I started learning. I was like, mom, when did you become an American citizen? Because I knew that going through my mother was the easiest way. And she was like, oh, I don't, I don't know, before you were born, I'm not sure, let me, and she had to like dig up her paper, it was like drum roll, like that, you know, <laughs> a month after I was born, she naturalized. Oh, wow, wow, that's wow. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> One month. That so, is amazing. Almost to the day, so I, I made it like just, just in, yeah. Wow. Incredible, right? That's unbelievable. I know. She made all the difference in me doing this myself, because it was, mm -hmm. otherwise, I'd probably had to hire Mike. Well, I mean, I was thinking about that as we we're talking before. Uh, it's all these questions and things going through my brain, and I'm thinking like, like Mike said you had to be born in in the unified kingdom of Italy, or then eventually the Italian Republic after 1946. And I know my tree pretty well. I think my great great grandfather, who's now my my doorway into this, I think he was born 1871. We have this very old American line, and that my great grandfather was born here in the United States. I have two great grandparents that were born in the United States, him and my grandmother's, my, my mom's mom's mom. Uh, but we always kind of want to know what got them here so early and, you know, what, what was the story. And it's, and it's one that I'm looking forward to finding out as much as I can in the records because that line has been one of the more difficult ones mm -hmm. beyond him for me to get to. So it's going to be really nice to be able to do that. And I guess, like, am I a citizen registered in where he came from or am I just an abroad citizen? Like yeah, what, so, do I have any attachment to the hometown? Yes, exactly. Actually they're um, on that, whatever Italian citizen that you go, Italian ancestor that you go through your hometown becomes their, their hometown, which is nice. Wow. Uh, so you're, you said Sicily, but I'm just going to use the city of Palermo. Let's say that's where he came from. Um, all your records get registered in the city of Palermo. Yeah. Mine are all in my mother's, my mother's hometown. Like I'm, me and Angelo are in the Comune in Bayano. That's where right. now like citizens of that. That's so amazing. I know, so I it's so wild. When Dolores <laughs> has, you know, 10 more kids and they. Uh, oh, mama mia. Them. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, that's, you send it to the consulate, but that's where they registered the, those yeah. birth records yeah. is in that town. So I'm really like, I, I, I'm excited beyond belief i want to get us i want to get my passport tomorrow uh mike how long is this going to take me a few a few years actually is the short answer you know uh, uh people are very excited about getting it done and um unfortunately with the the speed of the italian government um pre-covid times you would make your appointment and it was usually about two years out most of the consulates wow. two-year back time so let's say i made an appointment today my appointment would be scheduled for um, 2023. Uh, wow. Once we got into uh, the pandemic and the throes of it, most of the consulates um, shut down altogether except for emergency appointments. And most of them are still in that phase of not scheduling any new appointments. So they have an online portal that you would usually go into to schedule a new appointment. And as of right now, most of them are not, not scheduling new appointments, even if they'd be two years out. So it's, it's a waiting game right now. Um, and customarily, you you wait for two years, you go to your appointment, you give them all the documents. Uh, if everything looked good, they would send it off to Rome and tell you, don't, you know, you got to wait for another, at least a year, year and a half to get that letter in the mail um, saying you've been approved. And then you'd be able to set your passport appointment to get your passport. 
so from start to finish, um, three years would be quick. It's between three and four years from start to finish, but things are still kind of uncertain uh, because of COVID. Uh, I had clients yeah. who had appointments this year that they made two years ago, and the New York consulate said, don't come, don't mail in your, your stuff, just wait to hear from us. So that's heartbreaking. I had you know, a client that had a, um, appointments in January, another one in February, another one in March, that um, last year for people that had appointments, there was a process to mail in your application, which was I thought was good. Uh, but this year, for some reason, they're saying, wait and don't, um, don't turn it in and wait to hear from us. Uh, the, Miami, the Miami consulate has a process right now for mailing it in before your appointment, which I hope, I hope more consulates, you know, adopt that and make it a little easier for people to, uh, to apply. Um, but I don't see any, I don't see any changes yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> we use tokens for, for pay phones in Italy to like the 90s right. and 2000s. So change comes slow. But I would highly recommend anybody out there who's been thinking about it, either if you're going to you know, bite the bullet and do it on your own or engage a service like Mike, it's a good time to do it, not only because of the sort of state of the world and the idea of where we belong and all these things, but it's a recurring political issue in Italy sometimes where there's a battle between this idea of how to acquire citizenship because Italy is very difficult for non-citizen residents to acquire citizenship in and you know they have this blood law um, so it comes up sometimes in Parliament whether or not they should change this. So I've been encouraging everybody who's even got that faint interest, and part of it drove me to really make the decision to contact Mike after seeing Dolores was like, well, they may change this thing at some point. Mm-hmm. So I would highly recommend if you've been thinking about it, don't waste any more time. I feel like I now that I know, I'm relieved and excited, and I feel like I wasted so much time. So if you're going to do it, bite the bullet and get going on this thing. And if you want somebody to help you and you want a professional service and you don't want to be pulling uh, documents and apostilles and getting a secondary degree in uh, genealogy and citizenship, how do they find you, Mike, and how do they inquire about your services? Uh, they could, you know, find me on, I'm on, let's see, how many social media? I'm on Instagram and uh, Facebook, and I, my website is the thesapiodualcitizenship.com, um, which if you go there, you'll find links to all my other um, social media, so or they can just give me a call, nine zero eight nine nine six six seven six six, and uh, and we'll talk. And I and I do do um, free consultations, so get as much info uh, input as they have, and uh, see if they qualify. And then if they do qualify, then we talk about what the fees might be going forward. Yeah, I mean it's worth making the call just to talk to you yeah. and say, you know, like get a, yeah. get a consultation, and see. Just see what you're working with. Start the ball rolling. And a big part of the motivation to do this full-time was just the, I enjoy hearing the family histories and mm-hmm. going through the stories. And before the pandemic, you know, all business meetings would be at an Italian bakery or somebody's house over <laughs> Sunday nice. dinner. So that's kind of, it's perfect. Kind of business, it's perfect so. for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm very, very happy to know that somebody who's been a listener and supporter of the show is out there helping people solve this riddle and, uh, I'm looking forward to doing this together with you. I think part of the reason I wanted to make this an episode was because I felt like it would be good to bring our listeners along with me on this journey. If they're hesitant or they're nervous or they're unsure or they don't know all the information, hopefully sort of like I got to watch Dolores go through it, they can watch me go through it and listen to me go through it here on this platform that we have. Uh, so maybe it encourages them and, and, and sort of girds them for the process. So Mike, you and I are going to hopefully be able to get back together and maybe the three of us get on the horn, you know, a couple months from now when we have another step in the process and, you know, check in and and tell people where it's going. And I'm going to do the best I can to get this done quickly and uh, update the audience in the future on how it's going and and where the process is. And hopefully by then, maybe we can even open up the lines and let people call in and ask their own questions. So that would be great. It'd be great. Oh, that's a great idea. We have to do it in person because I owe owe the podcast crew a, a case of wine. That, uh, yeah, you Pat probably, knows that. Well, you gave Pat some, right? I did. Yeah, yeah. So you that never is what You know, Dolores brought me a couple of bottles of homemade wine, and I have they're in Pellegrino bottles, and I've been saving one, and it's in the back of my fridge, and it's just there. And what? I always think, okay, I'm going to have it now. I'm going to have it now, and then I I always kind of wait for the moment. And then I thought to myself, 
How long does homemade wine in a Pellegrino bottle live in a refrigerator? Before <laughs> I was gonna you say can't... you might want to drink it. Yeah, it's yeah. not. I know. I'm. She I makes it every just... year. I'm sure. So that you got. It doesn't have preservatives, yeah. right? It's it's a natural no, of course, wine, yeah. so it doesn't it doesn't last forever. But if you had it in the fridge, it's probably still drinkable. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I got went through one. I got That's another one waiting. Sweet, so I'm like, okay. I can bring you another one. We made some this year. <laughs> All right. Well, now I, I got you. More. I got Mike. This is good. Yeah, we'll fill <laughs> we'll fill the wine. coffers. For the perks of the nope. job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amen. That sounds really exciting. So, all right. If you too would like to get a fresh bottle of homemade wine and your Italian citizenship, Mike DeSapio, <laughs> DeSapio Dual Citizenship Services. You can find them uh, online, as he says, and we're going to have his information and number listed on the show page. So visit us at ItalianAmericanPodcast.com and uh, you'll have your access right away to a phenomenal guide and friend in this uh, really, really heartwarming process. I think that's the best word I can find. I know Dolores for you, this has been emotional. For, this is an emotional episode for me to discuss it. So yeah. maybe God willing, one day we can walk through that EU line together and, uh, you know, be real proud. <laughs> I just put my hand <laughs> on my heart. I'm like, that's a dream. Yes. We got to <laughs> yeah. bring our listeners so. with us. We'll podcast it. It'll be an episode. <laughs> yes, well, we got everybody wants to do a tour with us, so God willing, it'll come uh, back John, to normal someday. Yeah. I yeah, love it, that'll be really fun. All right, well, this has been great, and uh, yeah, thank you, Mike. Mike, you and I are going to talk offline and start the billing process and get this thing kicking into gear. And Dolores, I'm sure I'm going to be uh, chatting with you about this sure. a lot in the coming days. So, if you guys have enjoyed this, we hope you're encouraged to do it too. And check back with us for a follow-up episode as we go through the process. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. To be great. See that you're born in Italiano, and your life will be great. <laughs>